the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Oh, my friends, welcome to the Tuesday show of the Dennis Prager Show. I immediately go, which is pretty rare. Oh, usually open up with thoughts about the passing parade of life. But I have a, an eminent thinker on, and I'm happy to begin with him. Charles Murray, his official title is Hayek Emeritus Scholar at the American Enterprise Institute one of the most serious thinkers in our country, and he has a short book just out now, Facing Reality, Two Truths About Race in America. Charles Murray, welcome back to the Dennis Prager Show. Dennis, it's been too long. Glad to be back. That's true. It's been a while. Where are you right now, in Maryland? I am in Burkittsville, Maryland, uh, looking out at the pond behind my home. Yep. Uh, is Burkittsville in rural Maryland or, or a suburb of Baltimore? <laughs> Believe me, it's not a suburb of anywhere. We're uh, uh, out near the Appalachian Mountains. Uh, so isn't it true to say, uh, I felt this passing through Maryland, there really are two Marylands? Just as there are two Americas, yes. The, the Maryland of uh, Baltimore and Montgomery, which, and Montgomery County, which is right outside Washington, are completely different uh, from the rest of the state. And the rest of the state is small cities, small towns, Tocqueville in America, for fans of Alex Tocqueville. Yes. You, you're writing about uh, two truths facing America, about race in America, and I'm obviously getting to that. I'm just curious, in light of what we just spoke about, I periodically fantasize simply separating. I have nothing in common with most people in Los Angeles. Literally nothing. We're homo sapiens and the similarities end there. And I suspect you have a very similar feeling with many people in Baltimore. Is there a... Is it just a silly... And, and I fully accept that it might be a silly thought that the, the the half of this country that holds American values and the half that hate this country can simply separate. Uh, uh, that's a question which five years ago I would have said, oh, don't even talk that way. I mean, we're so far from that. And at this point, it's something that we all have to be thinking about more. Uh, You know, I think theoretically it could happen. Suppose it were recognized by the the elites that actually a whole lot of America doesn't need much government supervision, that they can get along with a whole lot without a whole lot of regulation and laws and other other things that the megalopolises, for better or worse, seem to have to have, that it is possible to have two governing regimes in this country. Theoretically, that's possible. I don't see it happening. But what you can do, uh, I just want to encourage you, Dennis, you actually can separate yourself from the half you don't like. Uh, I've done it. And and uh, my wife and I and family live out in a place where 
it's indistinguishable in the way that the community functions uh, from Newton, Iowa in the 1950s. And it, it has all the virtues uh, of that. There were things wrong in the 1950s, but, but uh, small town and small city America still has the same kind of life. You can live that. You don't have to live in Los Angeles. Do you know when I felt this? Because uh, believe it or not, even though I live, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's nearer to Pasadena than L.A., but it doesn't matter. I live in this area. And from the first day of the lockdown, I comported myself exactly as I had the day before the lockdown. I, I went without a mask. I went anywhere I wanted. I was with numerous friends. I am an observant Jew. I had uh, Shabbat dinner every Friday night with 15, 16 other friends. There was not one Friday night missed. Uh, and I, I lived a different life because I chose to. So it, while I'm not in Burkittsville, uh, I lived as if I was. Mm-hmm. So it's just yeah, it's possible. Yes, and 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 I encouraged others to do so. Back or not back, but to your book now, facing reality: two truths about race in America. Okay, we're all ears. Well, it all came about because of last summer, and uh, I listened to the uh, the the just unquestioning acceptance of the systemic racism narrative by everybody in the mainstream media. And nobody would mention the unmentionables when it comes to, there are two of them, when it comes to policing. Why is it that you have problems with policing in low-income black communities that you don't have elsewhere? Okay, there are some racist cops. That's true. It is also a statement of fact that the environment in which professional, uh, well-trained, responsible police officers operate it's much more dangerous uh, in low-income black communities than it is in Bel Air. Uh, it simply is, and that when police are operating uh, in that kind of more dangerous environment, they appropriately use more means to establish their authority, and they appropriately call for backup quicker and a variety of other things. Dennis, this does not mean that I'm excusing the egregious examples of police misbehavior that have been caught on video. I'm saying these go viral, and nobody sees the body camera footage of the tens of thousands of cops doing a wonderful job every day in the face of, of, of great difficulty and danger. So they ought to have mentioned that. They ought to have mentioned it's different in terms of cognitive ability. Why don't we have enough senior-level black managers in the IT industry in Silicon Valley? Well, there is a difference in mean test scores that is persistent and real and substantial between blacks and whites. And the reason this is important, no matter what you think of IQ or psychometrics or any of that, the reason it's important is those differences in test scores are predictive of differences in classroom performance and differences in job performance. And so when people in industries that would love to have more senior black managers uh, are trying to find them, the pipeline is not feeding into their uh, employment interviews, the, the number of people they need. And that is an important explanation for the disparities and outcomes in the labor market. In both cases, I am not trying to paint a picture of a blameless America. I'm asking for realism, understanding the degree to which differences in groups, mean differences in groups, uh, affect 
right, so the second is obviously controversial, and uh, I have uh, questions about it. So one obvious one is, why do African, black African immigrants, sub-Saharan, so we're not even talking about uh, North African Arabs, sub-Saharan black immigrants in America do better than whites in America in terms of science, technology, engineering, and math degrees and income? Uh, I don't think that's correct, Dennis. Well, I just read uh, they, it. They, 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 I, I just read it in they, Pew, they, they, I, I, so I, I can't okay. comment further. But go uh, ahead. Uh, no, and I, and I will. You know, we, we can't pull out the books on this. I think the correct statement is that they had much better outcomes than a lot of native-born blacks. Not that their outcomes are better than than white well, Americans. I, but, uh, but, but, but okay. let me make let me make a let me right. make a broader point. Suppose that your statement were, were true. Uh, and that's but that statement, and this is an essential part of the book. I don't want to talk about causes, and the reason I don't want to talk about causes, which people obsess about all the time, is because it's we need to start focusing on what is. Suppose that your statement was just true. That does not affect the reality of nationally representative samples of blacks and whites and the differences in test scores. It's a very interesting observation if it's true, be worth exploring for all sorts of other reasons. It doesn't face, it doesn't affect the state of affairs in uh, June of 2021. And the same thing goes for all the many explanations for the causes of crime. Uh, These are important. I'm glad people look at them, but that's all they look at to the exclusion of the reality of what is, for whatever reasons, in uh, violent crime rates. Okay, and the disparity between Asians and whites, does that account for anything uh, in, in the society? Oh, that's one of the more interesting topics. Uh, the the Asian advantage in test scores uh, is now quite clear, and it is not insubstantial. It's, it's, it's pretty good size. And where that really has an effect, Dennis, is at what we call the tails of the distribution, which means that you can have a difference in means that isn't very big. And it has a much bigger effect when you say, well, what about the people in the 99th percentile? All right, so hold that thought, please. Charles Murray, the book Facing Reality, Two Truths About Race in America. The Dennis Prager Show. Hi, Dennis Prager here again with a message for anyone struggling with pain. Of course, I want you to know about Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that tens of thousands are now taking every day. I take it every day. I like being out of pain. But I know you may be skeptical. I certainly was. Then I kept hearing about all the people, including my wife, who were no longer in pain. So I decided to give it a try. In fact, listen to Janice's story. I was skeptical at first. But because of the pain that I was having when I would uh, substitute teach and have to climb stairs, so I have lower back, hip, and even knee pain. And after about three weeks, I found that I could climb stairs pain-free. But it wasn't only pain-free. I could do it step over step without holding on the railing. I'm really happy. It's, it makes me feel like I'm young again. That's relieffactor.com or call 800-500-8384. Hi, everybody. Back with Charles Murray. 
Facing Reality, Two Truths About Race in America. And I, one of them is, in uh, Charles Murray's view, the issue of test scores and different racial groups or ethnic groups. And I asked about the disparity between white and Asian test scores, and you were saying... I was saying that it's uh, that Asians are really overrepresented uh, statistically at the very high end. So you have a lot of absolutely brilliant Asians that that is even greater than the difference in means. I was thinking over the break, uh, Dennis, some things I just have to say because anytime you're talking about test scores and IQ and race, it's real easy for people to confuse a difference in means with a difference that sorts people into different bins. That's just not true. Uh, as I as I constantly put it, millions of blacks are smarter than millions of whites. Uh, we're talking about overlapping distributions. It shouldn't be a big deal. We have made it into a big deal because we have taken the, the differences that exist in the population at large, and we have, through public policy and university policy, translated those differences all the way through the steps of the educational process so the people who graduate with educational credentials have been chosen all the way through. It's, it's like evil genius so that you have exactly the same disparities among black and white bachelor's degree holders and black and white master's degree holders as you do in the population at large. That should not exist. There should be no uh, important difference between people holding the same educational credentials, but there is. And and the reason for that? It's affirmative action. You, if you are black and you have a tech score, test score of, F, uh, of X, you have a chance of getting into Harvard that uh, would be zero if you were Asian or, or white. That's just a fact. The the, the, being black, or for that matter, being Latino, is factored into the admissions process so that you end up with SAT score differences of up to a couple of hundred points between Asians and blacks, for example, in the same university incoming class. Uh, I have opposed affirmative action from the very beginning, and my argument was that it hurts blacks, and uh, I don't know why one would have goodwill toward minorities and still do this. Among other things, it cheapens black achievement because uh, I, I mean I know I'm sure you, you feel the same way, and I think it, I, take I feel the, passionately the same way that you do. Imagine what it's like. By the way, I understand you have two uh, white guys saying, oh, blacks should realize how much it's hurting them, and I know it sounds condescending, but damn it. Uh, it's not it's, nearly it's, as condescending as affirmative action, as, cha- exactly as changing right. standards because of your color. That's condescending. Exactly. So imagine the situation. If you were a black in the 1940s, you had to be twice as good as the whites to get the job because in that time you, you faced real discrimination in the job market. These days, so you're, you're a talented black, and you get hired. Everybody in that company is saying, well, is this guy had affirmative action hire? And you have to be twice as good as the white guys today just to prove to everybody, no, you really belong there. And I'll tell you another thing that's even sadder as far as I'm concerned. You have very talented black kids uh, that enter MIT or Harvard or Princeton or Yale. 
And let's say they want to be engineers. Uh, they'd make great engineers, and if they went to a good, solid uh, uh, state school, they'd graduate and be fine engineers. But they are going into an MIT class where they aren't up against other kids that are pretty smart. They're up against some super smart kids, and they're at the bottom of the class, the black kids are. They aren't stupid. They're smart. But they have been mismatched into a situation which leads to a lot higher dropout rates for talented blacks in these elite universities than should exist. Now, I say that if I'm wrong about that, admissions officers and presidents of elite universities publish the data. Prove me wrong that that they do just fine in intellectually demanding courses and don't drop out in larger numbers. They won't release those numbers. It's an invitation to failure. The, The United Airlines announced that it's reserving half of its pilot places to women and minorities, people of color, I think is the term they used. And all that will do, uh, in my opinion, is, and I fly constantly, the next time, not next time, but at five years from now, if I meet a, a female pilot, if I meet a female pilot now, and I've had uh, any number of them, all I thought was, was a talented woman, became a pilot, fine, not, it's not, a, not an issue, I don't give a hoot. But I'm not going to think I don't give a hoot five years from now. Exactly right. And even now, even now, here's another commentary on what affirmative action has done to us. If you are going to go out and choose a cardiologist, and the only information you are given about the alternative cardiologists in your area is their race, a rational, non-racist person will say, well, if that's the only thing I've got to go on, I'm choosing the Asian. That should not be true. You actually don't have that much information knowing they're Asian, but you have better than zero. And we also go into that knowing that black medical students are admitted with far lower MCAT scores than, uh, than the white and Asian students. <laughs> that is it's not just a recipe for, well, it, it generates racist responses. So, it, so if you, I'm not usually big on policy solutions. The effect of the U.S. government saying we will no longer give preference to any person because of race, we will have no programs that incentivize the economy to treat people by race, our goal is to be completely impartial, treating all Americans as individuals with equal rights and equal innate human dignity. If, if the U.S. government, it's impossible to conceive it doing this, if that were to happen, of the racial polarization that's gone on in this country would end. So finally, I I don't know if you even know if it's answerable. I have wrestled with this question all of my life. Given the utter damage affirmative action does, what, what motivates the people advocating for it? Well, white guilt is a real thing. A white guilt among the elites especially is a real thing. And I think there are lots of people who, who uh, are completely sincere in thinking that this is appropriate. Whether Are they sincere in saying, and there are no differences in ability just because you have 200 different points difference in SAT scores? Do they really believe that? Uh, do they really, are they so, so dismissive 
of those kinds of things when it involves their own children. Here, I think there is a lo- there's a lot of condescension. All right, my friend. Charles Murray, the book is Facing Reality, Two Truths About Race in America. Thank you, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you about an interesting supplement that has made a big deal in my life. I had the, the pins and needles feeling in my feet. I've had it for about 25 years. It got quite intense. So among the things I did is I had inserts put in, which helped because it lifted the bone from the nerve. And I threw away the inserts last year after I started taking Nerve Renew. I read about Nerve Renew on the internet, and so I tried it out. And amazingly, after about a year, it doesn't happen overnight, I got rid of the inserts I had worn for 10 years. It's minimal, the uh, the pins and needles effect that I have. I'd like you to try it out. Go to NerveRenew.com. They offer a two-week trial of their product and a one-year money-back guarantee at NerveRenew.com or your two-week trial now. I asked them to advertise. That's how effective I think the product is, NerveRenew.com. Okay, everybody, Dennis Prager here, and uh, Brent in uh, New Mexico. I want to take your call, so don't hang up. But I have a few things to uh, share with you. The realm of the absurd that we have entered uh, is uh, indescribable. Speaking to my producer earlier today, he described it as evidence of a multiverse. We live in different universes. Listen to this as an example of the alternate universe. A group of student climate activists is disbanding this week after arriving at the conclusion that they are too racist to continue carrying out their mission. School Strike for Climate Auckland, obviously New Zealand, that's SS4C, Student Strike for Climate, a New Zealand chapter affiliated with Greta Thunberg's climate justice movement among students, decided its disbandment was, quote, well overdue, unquote, after getting what was apparently a very convincing woke education on how BIPOC, black, indigenous, and people of color, communities are disproportionately affected by climate change. It's a little hard to follow, I fully understand, but I will continue. School for Strike for Climate, School Strike for Climate Auckland, disbanding as they are self-diagnosed racist and need to decolonize. In a lengthy post on the group's Facebook page, Leaders explained that the organization, quote, has been a racist, white-dominated space that has avoided, ignored, and tokenized BIPOC voices and demands. In addition, SS4C, Student Strike for Climate Auckland, leaders say, quote, the urgent need to decolonize the organization has been put off for far too long. Now, you may wonder, what does decolonize mean? Decolonize means remove whites. 
and their organization de- delayed paying financial reparations for the work BIPOC groups and individuals within and alongside the group have done for this organization in the past. The decision to disband was made, quote, under the suggestion and guidance of the BIPOC members of our group, as well as individual BIPOC activists and organizations. Some in the New Zealand climate movement are not putting SS4C Auckland on the back for their supposedly brave decision. Disbanding is not taking accountability, it's quitting, said one fellow climate warrior. Acknowledging you have a problem or made a mistake without taking a step towards resolving it is meaningless. Well, the truth of the matter is, and it is something I have said for many years, the environmentalist movement is overwhelmingly rich whites. That's exactly correct. Because it harms poor non-whites. Environmentalist movement is an almost entirely destructive movement. I'm not talking about caring for the environment. Every normal human being cares about the environment. Environmentalists don't care about the environment. They care about changing the economy and power structure of society. That's, it's just the left using climate like the left uses blacks and the left uses everything else to gain power, expand the power of government, and further ruin the society. That is what we have in this particular instance. Yep. So they're disbanding. I think that I think this should be a model for for virtually all environmentalist movements. They have very few BIPOC in their midst. You know why? Because most blacks on the face of the earth actually would like to have electricity in their countries that are poor. In Africa mostly. And they will do that by carbon emissions. The fight against carbon is the fight to keep blacks impoverished in Africa. That's basically what the fight is about. Spoiled brats in the West who have too much time on their hands and bored out of their minds and need a secular religion. That is the description of environmentalism. All right, y'all. Got to fight, everybody. Got to fight. Las Cruces, New Mexico, and Brent. Brent, I'm sorry. Hi, Hello, Brent. How are you doing, Dennis? I love you. You're a modern-day Solomon. Thank you. Thank you. It's very kind. But I'm in a faith crisis because I've been raised a Mormon my whole life. And uh, our leaders are going left, and it's been extremely hard for me. Can you give me an example? Well, Elder Rinland, you know, we have apostles that we believe are prophets. He came out with a video saying masks were a sign of showing Christ-like love, even though I knew they didn't work. Um, Another apostle, Elder Uchtdorf, got caught donating to President Biden and also those two Democrat senators in Georgia. And then they've just adopted the language of the left using terms like diversity, and, and they've always used all these 
social distancing and and all, and all these terms that the left came up with through COVID. So, all I, right, you know, let, I, let me address I, this. This is a very a subject dear to my heart. I think I mentioned this, but I I'm not certain. I know I mentioned one aspect. I spoke this past weekend uh, in St. George, Utah, and about a thousand people, I believe, and the great majority were LDS, Latter-day Saints, Mormons. And I am a big LDS fan, as I've said very often. Just so many wonderful people that I've met who are members of the church, and I, I rely on my instincts in this matter. I don't think I fool myself, and I have no reason to. It's an impressive group of people, for the most part. In my talk, however, I said to them, the left has poisoned mainstream Protestantism, it's poisoned mainstream Catholicism up through the papacy, papacy. it's poisoned mainstream Judaism. You, You have no guarantee it will not poison Mormonism or the LDS Church. And there was actual applause to that. There's a realization that that it could happen. No one is immune from the toxicity of leftism. Because you have to be very strong to resist wanting to be thought well of by the New York Times and all the mainstream media. Not to march with the left is to court loathing, and mockery. So this is a great test of all religious people, Protestants, Catholics, Jews, Mormons. It's a great test. Do you fear God or Twitter more? That's it in a nutshell. My suspicion is most religious people fear Twitter and the Times more than they fear God. There are very few truly religious people It's a sad realization I've come to. There are many people who attend houses of worship. Many people who actually love their religion. But there are very few truly religious people. And the essence of religiosity is fear of God. I make that case very clear in my Bible commentary, volume three of which, incidentally, is coming out in a few months. Please pre-order it on Amazon. It is, uh, I, I believe it's, it's the, the only answer to the crisis of this country. It's biblical values versus left values. It's really as simple as that. Secular conservatives do not acknowledge that. Some do, and that's okay. My problem is with religious people who don't take God seriously. They take God seriously as a butler asking God for things. I admit that I have asked God for things twice in my life. And I mean, for myself, I've prayed for others, but for myself, I have twice. Somewhat shakes me up to tell you that both were realized. But my view of God is not at all, what can he do for me? But how can he approve of me? 
I seek God's approval. And uh, I worry about our mainstream faiths. Back in a moment. Okay, all Arcadia, California. Donna, thank you for calling. Hello. Donna hung up. That's sad. That's Donna's dial tone, however. Too bad. It says here, whenever someone differs, I try to run to their call. Feels I am judging all religious people rather harshly. Uh, If that's really what she said, it's odd. I said most religious people, not all. Religious people are the only solution to this crisis of this country and the West. Nobody defends the religious more than I do, but I, I am not blind to what has happened to mainstream Protestantism, Catholicism, and Judaism. Be Christ-like and wear a mask? Was that really said? I mean, I'm, I don't know. Is that, that's, this is the use uh, of religious symbols to advance a, a very controversial idea. Masks, ladies and gentlemen, are a farce, Okay. They're a medical farce. The New England Journal of Medicine, which I read to you uh, last uh, from last year, early in last year, before the New England Journal of Medicine utterly corrupted itself, wrote a piece by scientists saying it was largely useless outdoors. Okay. Then the doctors got uh, attacked, of course, so they wrote, of course, we're not saying that you shouldn't wear them. That was an addendum the last time. But they didn't retract the fact that it was useless. It's worse than useless because it had such a terrible impact on, on, on kids. Kids wearing masks, it's a form of child abuse. Kids not being able to see each other for a year, more than a year, is a form of child abuse. Telling young people that they should have an experimental vaccine or they can't go to college is a form of child abuse. Telling young kids who have already had COVID and have the antibodies you still have to get a, 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 an inoculation, the vaccination, is a form of child abuse. Every religious leader should have said that. Should have said we're opening up. We are not allowing the secular authorities to tell us we cannot have services. Safety is not the purpose of life. There are higher purposes of life. If you don't want to come to synagogue or church because you are afraid of getting COVID, don't come. But if you are not afraid, do come. And some said it. My dear friend Jack Hibb said it. Rob McCoy said it. Others have said it. Not many. And it wasn't fear of COVID as much as it was fear of what will people say. But as soon as you fear what people will say first, you have left your godly profession. The Dennis Prager Show, live from the Relief Factor Pain-Free Studio. 